Welcome back to Where Wine Takes You, where we talk wine, we talk story, we talk with the people that make Paso Robles wine country so dang special. My name is Adam Montiel, I'm your host, and we're doing part two of our conversation where we talked all about the consulting winemaker. The theme was making wine for many. Now the consulting winemaker, essentially a hired gun, commissioned to make a wine for a person, maybe a brand, that wants to achieve a certain standard, certain specific results. We had Amy Butler of Ranchero Cellars, had a blast with her. We also met Anthony Yun, winemaker for the highly popular Denner Vineyards. Now, Anthony also makes wine for many others. Uh, Six Mile Bridge, in addition to his own uh, brand with his wife, their estate brand, the Royal Nunsuch Farm. Now, coming back into the conversation, we're going to jump right back in. We're talking about those shelf talkers, like those notes that winemakers write about their wines and how they taste. Let's get into it. Give me that long sound, we'll get by, we bounce on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. When you're doing like shelf talkers and like tasting notes, is this kind of an arduous pain in the ass process? Is this a, I mean, not, not everybody is like Jordan, like has her pencils that she brings out and does these beautiful drawings. Achiever. Yeah, the impressions. She makes yeah. you guys all look bad, uh-huh. by the way. Yes, uh-huh. Anthony's good at it, but I'm I, not good at it. I love it. Um, I used to do these like Jay Peterman-esque uh, you remember from the Seinfeld, felt like really abstract, didn't mean anything. Yeah, and like half the people loved them, and half the people were like, "I don't know what I'm tasting." But right. it, this was like before kids, and like Hillary and I would drink a bottle of wine and smoke a joint, and then mm-hmm. you know go way deep, and then sober, I'd, sober, I'd sort of. Rain it back in. Um, oh, it could be so much fun to read those ones I'll, where you were pull, super stoned. I'll, I'll pull some out. <laughs> um, but you know, you kind of stayed with a theme and described described a scene. So I, I keep it a little more a little more tight now. Uh, but I, I still have like fun like with dark that. cherries and just things. I get a little, all the I get a little more out there. there. If you're not using a dictionary when you're reading one of my tasting notes, I'm disappointed. Oh, there you go. You know, like I want to pull something really weird. I like that. I like to get descriptive too. Like I can never just say jasmine. I have to say night blooming pink jasmine mm-hmm. because why not? Right. <laughs> Probably it's, it's a game. The same. It's a game of one upsmanship for, for for sure. Yeah, it for sure is. Yeah. Uh, and some of it can be a little bit, I mean, especially because critics love this too. Critics will write in a, a way when they're reviewing a wine that I swear, I think I wonder where one of their hands is when they're writing this down. You know what I mean? But um, Bob Parker back in the day, like, uh-huh. I'll still go back and read old Robert Parker, like in his heyday, his notes were amazing. Like smells like a Tangier's hash bar. Uh, Russell from, uh-huh. from Herman's story, his tasting notes are awesome. Like, mm-hmm. Bali, Bali shag rolling tobacco. You know, I love reading people that are kind of out there yeah. with those notes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun that way. It's pretty fun. There's a couple of Instagram accounts I follow that have that. You know, one, he's a critic and he's kind of an asshole, but he's, uh, he's a local dude. But he's, yeah. his stuff I know is, that guy. Yeah, he's, but he's good. Do you hate him? Yeah, until he made a nice comment about good, one of my yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I think he's kind of stopped the ragging thing. I remember showing up to a, a wine speak thing and he offered to give me a ride because I, I wanted to drink a little bit. And um, when I showed up with him and like, and everyone's like, did you show up with McConnell? Like, what? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I can show up with you anymore, dude. <laughs> but uh, some fun, it's fun, fun to read, you know, but yeah. I don't know. Um, it's It gets stuffy. It can, you know, sure. Wine can get stuffy. And yeah. I think anything you can do to, you know, freshen it up is great yeah that was one of the reasons 
I think it, it keeps a lot of people away, the stuffiness of wine. I think that's what's so cool now is to, you know, have people who are, that's what we've been trying to do with the cork dorks, that's what we try and do with this podcast, to try and make wine, you know, approachable. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's cool that that's kind of like the turn now. What are you pouring, Miss Amy? I'm pouring my Petite Syrah. This Ooh. is kind of a one-off. It's called Fancy Boots. Petite Syrah is one of these fun wines that I always kind of liken to like swallowing like dice. It's angular. It's not fun. <laughs> I never really liked them. But when you taste a good Petite Syrah, it, it is up there to be one of the sexiest wines. Why do you try this? Because I, I can't wait to try I tried it. To, I tried to make this wine with some restraint. I tried to build in some elegance and, and, and grace into a Petite Syrah. Oh, I can't wait. And I really didn't do much. You know, it's farmed by Ishka Stanislaus. Oh, yeah. He's a great guy. and um, He was the last guy on the podcast with John Munch. How cool. So I really like the guy, and, and we made this deal in a bar. You know, he's like, I'd like to see what you do with my Petite Syrah. And I was like, sell you some. So we, Not just um, any bar. Pine Street. The Rodeo. The Rodeo Cocktail Lounge. Uh-huh. Oh, damn. Coldest right, beer in town. Right there on 12th Street. <laughs> well, that's uh, Anthony and I used to both live on 12th Street, and that was the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I made this wine as a complete expression of, of his farming. So um, that's why I named it Fancy Boots, because apparently, according to his wife, that was his nickname in, in uh, business school. Oh, man. Amy. He's quite a snappy dresser. He is a snappy dresser. Yeah, definitely. This is really good. Killer. How okay. do you get those tannins to be soft and supple in a wine that doesn't, like, by default, seem to want to deliver that? That was very well stated. Um, I... I typically press my wines a little earlier than I usually press them before they're dry, and that's how that happens. I don't, I don't get the extraction that some winemakers get, and I like it that way. I know that um, extreme phenolic extraction is the goal, the name of the game in some cases, but I feel like with Petite Syrah, I'm not lacking for any color. I'm not lacking for any texture. It's ready to press, and I pressed it. This it finishes its fermentation in a neutral oak barrique, and... Um, there you go. This petite sera wants to be Paso's greatest petite sera. Thank you. <laughs> it is going for it. I mean, this, I think of like Aaron Jackson. I think of like um, Ultima Thule. Um, when you taste a good one, single bottle petite sera, man, it's oh, great. so good. What do you like about this wine? Break this one down a little bit, Anthony. Uh, f- for me, I- I'm an aromatic person when it comes to wines, and this just like sings out of the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's complex. I think petite sera can sometimes get monolithic. And this, like, it brings floral, it brings minerality, it brings fruit, it brings savory, um, and all that without wood. I mean, a lot of times, you know, yeah. winemakers rely on new wood to, to get that, or something to carry that aromatic, and this wine does it without it. I felt like putting putting new oak on my petite syrah was like putting salt on my bacon, so I didn't do it. You don't do that? I don't do that. <laughs> no, it's usually pretty salty. So, what I think with the aromatics, what Anthony's talking about is sometimes it's just this blueberry pie, and this, this actually has a lot of violet and a lot of graphite and a lot of um, more, to- almost, totally almost plays some plum. There's some plum coming out of it. It's not completely monolithic, as Anthony said. That's pretty. So you said this is a one-off. That's it's a one-off. I probably won't do it again. Oh, that's unfortunate. It should be a two-off or a three-off. It's pretty hard to get fruit from Ishka's Vineyard. It's pretty in demand. Yeah. Okay, so this one's available now? Yeah. I'm selling it right now. I'm pouring it at the tasting room at Paso Underground, 1140 Pine Street. This is a good one. What do you do for this for a bottle? 56. This is so good. It's great. I love yeah. the mid, too. It's like so much mid-palate without being... It's not pur- super tan. It, it's not purpley. No. You know, it doesn't go that, like, ridiculous over the top. Yeah. It'll stain your teeth, but you can, you can get it off. <laughs> yeah, with a magic eraser? <laughs> 
I just read that that's a, that's a. Is that what you brush your teeth with? No, that's a new trend now, like on TikTok. Oh. And like Insta, there's like this hack. It's don't do it. It's horrible. We do not recommend. It's that. like the Tide Pod Challenge. Yeah, and just, it's but it's like the Tide Pod Challenge was just a bunch of idiots like <laughs> eating Tide Pods. This is like being packaged as like, oh, we got a hack for you. But dentists are like, no, it's like little mini sandpaper. Like, don't do that. But I mean, I guess it does work. People are saying you use magic eraser to like get your teeth really white. Mm, <laughs> I just feel like I'm a winemaker and I'm never going to have white teeth. <laughs> I, I think if you have white teeth as a winemaker, you're not trustworthy. It's like being a skinny chef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's try that six mile bridge. Yeah. I was uh, talking to Jordan on my way up here and she said uh, an interesting quote about you. She said, he makes people's dreams come true. <laughs> wow. I thought that was kind of cool because she was just giving me a little bit of insight to how she knew you. And I thought that was an interesting way to put, you know, this responsibility that weighs on you and, and you know, dinner through, you know, the winemaking facility here of uh, what these people expect and what they want, what they want for their customers. I think I think all winemakers make people's dreams come true. Yeah, you're making I mean, wine, that's for sure. We're, we're pleasure creators I don't if we're know. good at our job. I feel like in my company, um, the one that I'm, the big company that I'm working for now, I feel like um, I'm the only cost center and everyone else is a profit center. <laughs> 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 I feel like, you know, every time I go on the, the company-wide call or something and I'm like, I need to spend money on this, even if it's grapes, everyone's like, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't create profit without you spending money. <laughs> they need you. Yeah, they need I the- hope that's the case because it's just, it's just a, I mean, everybody else is on the call going like, I generated some revenue here and I generated some revenue there. And I'm going like, I need money. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I need money. Uh, so Six Mile Bridge, Cabernet Franc. Uh, wow. 2017, uh, the Six Mile Bridge property is it has all five red Bordeaux, also farmed by my wife Hillary. Um, it's the best looking vineyard in town, um, and this we only made 23 cases of this, but this is one of my favorite wines I've made off there. So I wanted to show it, and and Cab Franc's so rare here. Yeah, uh, I mean when I took over at dinner, it was like a it was like a four letter word. It's so floral. It's super floral. But in- this like showcases the site. The the vineyards at two. 2,000 feet elevation, so it's one of the highest vineyards here in Paso. It is planted on limestone. Uh, like, when, when Jim asked me, he's like, what's the soil type like up there? I'm like, what soil? <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's in rock, and the soil pH is like 8.5, which is a really challenging site to grow in. Uh, so the color is like super dark. It's really structured. Uh, you know, if I took these wines dry on skins they would rip your teeth off. Like you, you would have to see your orthodontist, not your dentist, you know? Right. Oh, um, so we're pressing really early. It's, it's a similar sort of extraction to what Amy does with the petite. Like you work it a little bit early and then kind of once the fermentation starts, you've got to just manage it. Mm-hmm. And we're playing with some new, this is actually all new wood. It's one barrel. It shows great. It doesn't oh. show. It doesn't show real oaky. It, it's textural more than it is aromatic. I, I don't know if I've ever met a barrel that, could stand up to six mile bridge fruit like the site's so extreme and you know it's got these angry little berries can i ask what barrel this is uh this is a bel-air uh a recommended the revelation which is their structural barrel which is what they really like on cab franc and merlot but with this site i think the volupte does better so mm. we've gone all volupte mm. after the first vintage Sorry to, sorry to geek out. No, there. don't don't be at all. I'm just saying that Cap Franc is another one like Petite Syrah. When you just taste a single bottle of it, that's just so beautiful. It's it's so good. 
Yeah, that's really good. I love that Cab Franc. I like it because it's really not trying to be Cabernet Sauvignon. A lot of people yeah. make Cab Franc yeah. like they make a Cab and like they make a Cab Sauvignon, and it's just not. It doesn't. It really shows its best when you let it express that floral character. Floral, slightly herbaceous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that little teeny bit of it, just enough. Yeah. Oh, where does Cab Franc grow best? Is it is it up on a hill? Is it down in the valley? Where is it? Where is this Cab Franc? You know, this is this is hilltop, super steep slope. Uh, you know, Amy mentioned the Loire Valley, which is where Cab Franc is probably best in the world. Mm-hmm. Is on limestone, so it does very well on limestone. We just planted a new uh, parcel that we'll get to work with with a twenty-one vintage of Cab Franc that's got a little more clay in it so i'm really interested to see where that does like i like my cabernet in a little more clay uh i, I think it gets better texture in clay is it windy up there is, is, is cab franc susceptible a lot to shatter it's super windy the, the bordeaux's shatter quite like the rones do like grenache is probably the worst of anything i work with for shatter um like you look at grenache wrong during flowering and it's like drops all its flowers, yeah. <laughs> um, which is amazing that they grow it in the Rhone where the Mistral grows or blows. You know, it's like, how do, huh? Yeah. Um, but they deal with it. Uh, Cab Franc does all right. It's, it's not a very robust variety. It doesn't grow big canopy, at least not in my experience. It's not a, you know, Grenache trunks get like trees. Um, Cabernet Franc doesn't seem to do that. And, and it's got to be babied a little bit in the farming process. Uh, one of the reasons Cab Franc was really kind of fell off the map was it was the most susceptible to red blotch. Mm. Um, so it showed every one of those symptoms. And most of the variety or most of Cab Franc planted in Paso was planted in that sort of like late 90s, early 2000s when the nurseries had no idea. Um, and so it, it got all ripped out until we had 2010 protocol. Then we could plant clean clean material so now you're going to see this resurgence i hope of capro because it's such a fun fun grape and it does well here doesn't it i think so it does really well here yeah i mean uh, limestone yeah you ever play with any cap franc i've never made cap franc yeah wait i made cap franc for lxv oh okay cool Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so i don't know where i'm coming from saying i've never made it but um i liked it in I liked it a lot. So what does this go for a bottle, Mr. Anthony? Um, I don't even know if this is for sale. Oh, really? Uh, the, the Maroney family who owns Six Mile Bridge, it's Jim and Barbara, and they're five children. And so I think 23 cases is just going to get... Oh, wow. Just, yeah. just get consumed. Just get consumed. So That's so cool. That's a beautiful wine. Thank you. Uh, but I heard the, the, the place small, is beautiful up there too. When you, it's really neat. It's uh, I heard it's gorgeous. They they have a really great feel for architecture and, yeah. and design and intimacy. I mean, they're like they're they're entertainers. You know, anywhere they go, that that's the dinner party, and so like they're they're so welcoming. Where does and, Six Mile Bridge come from? Six Mile Bridge is the ancestral home of the Maroney family in County Clare, Ireland. Uh, I have not been, but my understanding is it is a post office, and that's about it. Oh, wow. Um, but that's where the Maronis uh, are from, so they wanted to do something back to their heritage. Um, and Jim, or Bo- Jim and Barbara are both uh, Stanford grads, and they cut their teeth in, like, the, the late 70s in Napa. So, like, they love those old-school Cabernet blends and, and then discovered Bordeaux. So I've been turned on by so many wines by them. Uh, that's cool. And and that's what's fun is like you know some I can teach them about winemaking they can teach me about all these regions that I I don't know a ton about or I've never had access to right 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 you know like I I can study it in a book but until you have you know a thirty year old Obreon you can't mm-hmm. you don't know what it is sure mm-hmm. you know sure 
I went up there uh, a couple weeks ago for my first time, and it was absolutely beautiful. And there, and the Maronis came out and greeted us at the table, and you know they were just consummate hosts. And just like Anthony said, it was just a really nice tasting experience. You got to check it out. I would yeah. totally Peachy go. Peachy Canyon Road, recommend Pe- it. Peachy Canyon Road between uh, Law and and uh, Via Creek Torn. Yeah. Um, and and if you're really good, apparently Amy didn't drink enough with them. You'll get invited up to the house to swim in the pool. Oh, Damn. I, didn't, I didn't drink very much at all that day. I was driving. <laughs> Not the ranchero. I got to pay them a visit. That sounds like a lot of fun. Six Mile Bridge. Is this SixMileBridge.com or how do we find some of these brands? SixMileBridge.com. And then what about for Royal Nunsuch? Uh, RoyalNunsuchFarm.com. And we're going to be, we just do one white, one red. That's all we do. One white, one red. We do one release a year. It's in the fall. Most of it's sold through our membership, uh, but if, you, if you're not ready to commit and you just want to try a bottle or two, we do have a mailing list, so yeah. we, we pop that up. How uh, much wine so do you make? The estate is about 500 cases, and then we make almost 1,000 under the Canero, so it's pretty small. But uh, with everything else, it's about what I feel I can execute. And we have some great local retailers that you can buy, both Ranchero and, and all these wines, Paso Wine Merchant. I'm not the, in there yet, but I'm, I'm talking to them. Uh, yeah, for sure. Huh? Ranchero-sellers.com. RanchoSellers.com yeah. is and the, my best. And the tasting room. Yeah, tasting room, Paso Underground. Paso Underground. I'm really only there on Saturdays. I'm looking for someone to work Fridays and Sundays for me. Yeah, they're getting paid more to stay home. I know it. <laughs> a lot of restaurants have been telling me that. There's a, They're doing a roast of you in, in October? Yeah, it's a roast for the uh, cancer support community. I do love them locally. Yeah, they're locally, a great, they great, great charity. They do great such charity. great stuff. Yeah. They do a roast of a winemaker every year, and... Um, I've been roasting winemakers for since they started. And you're one of the best. Have you heard her? I've I've never been, but I get She's... to roast Amy, so I'm I'm working on my material. <laughs> yeah. Are you they asked me to do that. And I was telling her before, I'm like, I don't know what to say. And of course I don't want to say no because I love Amy, but I don't want to say yes because I love Amy. <laughs> and I don't know what to do or how to even go about I got a lot of material. I'm sure you do, but after fifteen years. Yeah. How could you, I mean, because we were just talked about a little while ago, and I'm a relatively insecure person. I mean, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I like people, I like connecting, but I don't know if I could have people roast me. I would, are you nervous about this? Oh, I expect to cry, but well, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry after I go home. When I'm there, I'm just going to drink a bottle of champagne and, and have a good time. <laughs> I don't oh know. I mean, Amy's so, her sense of humor is so great. I mean, she, she, like, too good. she embraces the nickname Calamity Jane. <laughs> I did, but you know, now I've rewatched Deadwood and I'm not sure. You've matured? I'm different. I'm different now. But I, I definitely used to be Calamity Jane. And, uh, or her roast of Gary Eberly oh, I heard about was that. just absolutely legendary. It was so good. She stole the show. And then what was the one that I did with you the next year? Oh, Austin Hope. Austin you did Hope. that one too. I didn't, didn't do didn't Austin, do no, but I did John Munch. Yeah, oh good. See, I missed that one. I think I remember saying something about getting as far into his novel as I did into his 36-month barrel-aged Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> so good no but if you I don't even know if there's ways to watch this on YouTube if they ever posted them but your uh, roast of Eberly and you know your joke on the Dows it's just like oh my god it was so good I don't even remember what you said but uh, it was do you remember what you said it was so good I said that no because the Dows it, are mad about it but they are really um, but the, the I would um, think they'd take it in good stride but the what I said was that um, Gary was the first guy to put the Paso Robles Appalachian on a bottle of Cabernet so I blame him for the Dow brothers <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it's funny i love you know, we had a great conversation with danny and i like him i like them a lot but uh no i think it's a good fun I and mean, it's a roast for crying out loud but i don't know so you're doing it i'm gonna do it 
I, I don't got, know. I got three months. Yeah, October, right? My, come up with my material. Yeah, but you're an artist and you're a natural procrastinator. So I'll yeah, do, or so you're going to wait till the I'll night before. It, no, I'll do it at and the roast that day. Mid-harvest. <sighs> yeah. That's when creative, creative juices are flowing the most. Mm-hmm. Agree. You Thank could you. check out the cancer support community and uh, learn about this because, it, I mean, they sell tickets for it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a thing. And it's, there's no more inside look. I mean, everyone's there. It's, there's a lot of people talking shit. It's really, really fun. And there's an auction. And I believe they're auctioning off bottles from like my 20 year career in winemaking in Paso. Wow. That's mm-hmm. super cool. That's super cool of you to do this for, because I lost my mom to cancer and it is tough and everyone knows someone who everyone has been affected someone. by cancer I'm sorry and uh, no my point was that I don't even think I, if they asked me to get roasted I, I don't I'm like I love what you guys do but hell no like I couldn't even do it I couldn't even do it I'm that like I don't know am I, am I just I'm not I'm not that fragile but I just don't know if I could handle it Amy Butler I think it, I think I it got, means you've arrived I got what I, you know Richie had to talk me into it yeah I, I was really like no I don't think so and and um I was like, can we meet and talk about it? And we met, and he was with all his buddies. Bobby Fox was there. Yeah. Casey Biggs was there. Bridget Binns was there. And they all just sort of, like, glommed onto me and talked me into letting it happen. <sighs> and that was during the pandemic. I remember we, we were... We were drinking at La Cosecha. It's peer we, pressure. We had to we had to order fries to have to have to be able to drink and and so right. we, we had this like all these everybody had to order fries and we had all these fries on the table and some cocktails and by the end of the meeting meeting I say in, in air quotes yeah I had agreed I had agreed. Do you regret agreeing a little bit? I do regret agreeing a little bit. Yeah, and and then a year went by and because it was canceled last year and I um you had to sit on this. I had to sit on it. For oh a year. God. This is torturing me. I'm getting heartburned just listening to this. How can they... And I I keep thinking, my biggest fear is not being roasted. My biggest fear is they won't sell any tickets. Oh, you are so... (laughs) (laughs) I love you so much, Amy Butler. And you are true... I mean, and this is like... You were played with like what every stand-up comedian, every brilliant actor, actress. I mean, this is what they're played with, this like torment inside, Mm -hmm. you know, especially stand-up comics. But um, you're very funny... I just, uh, I totally see what you're saying. You're going to sell tickets. I'm not worried about that. The problem would, is no one's going to roast you as well as you roast anyone else. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, but she's the, brilliant. The cool she's thing so is that I get to come back at the end. I get a, I get, I'm, I mean, I get to a list of all the people who roast me and I get to. You I get, get the to, final say. I get the final say. So it's another reason why I'm not going to do this. Then, I, then I'm going to have you coming and cutting on me. Like, uh, I, I, I'm not cut off of this. My biggest, my biggest. <laughs> Are you going to get hurt if I you? say no? No, I'll be fine. Are you sure? Yeah, there are plenty of people that okay. hate me. <laughs> there's plenty of people that have dirt on her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What should I do? Anthony? You should do it. I should do it? Yeah. All right, maybe I'll talk to you afterwards. We could have some ideas. I don't know. I just, I, I had a real problem. I, I, I told her this before you showed up, and um, we were talking about this off the air, and I had no problem doing Gary Eberly because I just feel, I, I, I love him. I feel he's so thick-skinned, and he just loves you right afterwards. And Austin Hope, I had a hard time doing because, again, I think there's a part of Austin Hope that would get his feelings hurt, and I don't blame him because I relate to that. Yeah. You know, you know these people love you. You know they're doing it in kind. They're doing it all fine. But there's still a part of it, like, you have to go back and go, do you play these things in your head, you know? And I don't want her doing that with anything I said. It's like a wedding speech. Yeah. You know? You, you give a little... Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a roast and a toast. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see where you guys fit into all this because you talk about the stories of like the John Mungers and the Gary Eberleys and then later it's the Stefans and the Chris Cherries and of course, you know, the Justin Smiths. But to see where you guys fit into this or Ranchero Sellers fits into this and you coming from Napa, you know, in, in 08 or before that and you starting. And I mean, it's really cool to see you guys are a rising guard of this time that Paso is just in an explosion right now. It's, it's a fun time to be here. When I was in high school, my mom was a member of the wine club at Adelaida, which John Munch was helming at the time. Yeah. And um, I used to eagerly await her wine club shipments because back then they had, you know, a, a, a written like little brochure that came with the wine club shipment. There was no email. There was no any of that. Did it have it recipes? Came, and it, I don't remember if it had recipes, but it had John Munch's writing. And he wrote like, he was like the Hunter Thompson of wine writing. <laughs> yeah. And um, I really liked that at the time. And I think John Munch may have, may have unwittingly inspired me to, to pursue a career in winemaking. I just, I think I thought that all winemakers were that brilliant. And that's what I wanted to do. It was the old Tom Sawyer thing. Yeah. Um, and I ended up, you know, you have to decide what you want to do kind of early in life. Uh, if you think about it, you're 18 years old. What what do you know about anything? And all of a sudden they're asking you, what would you like to be for the rest of your life? And I was like, a winemaker, obviously. I didn't know anything about wine. When I went to Davis, I was, I was surprised to learn that, um, that Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay came from separate plants. Wow. So. Um, you could have it on the same plant. You could have it on the same plant, Anthony. That's but we have we have Viognier and Cabernet on the same plant by accident. I love what that. a trip! I wow, because hybrid one, one arm is Viognier and one arm is Cabernet because the, gra- the graft didn't thing. take on one side. Mm. Is there any influence? Does the well? Do you pick the Viognier when you pick the Cab? I mean, I would. And ferment them together. Yeah, point <laughs> zero 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 four percent. It's a Viognier block that's got one. One oh, you know, so you, can't you don't do want to do that. Can't can't do it yeah. that way. Oh man! Speaking of Viognier, I need to talk to you about Viognier. I'm ready. Okay. This has been so much fun. I can't thank you guys enough for this conversation. This has been so much fun. Just to hear where Paso's going and then to get like your feedback on some of the people that we've, you know, talked about to try all these wines. I mean, of course, Ranchero Cellars. Uh, we tried the um, Canero, beautiful wine, that Roussan. To- totally different now, too. I just poured myself a splash. I can't believe how Is it really? Oh, I can't wait to try it. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so impressed. Yeah, for your first wine, like I mentioned this on the show, like I hate listening to old air checks of myself on the radio. I can't can't stand it. I just like when I cringe, you know. But for you to taste the first wine you made and it tastes like this, Anthony, damn. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't. I won't listen to this. I can't hear my like. I can't stand my own voice. But this isn't me. You know, this is Justin Pebble Smith's farming. Sure. Just not messing it up. You know, that's the great thing about about winemaking is you're only you're only this part of it yeah you're you know, a small you're, piece of you're the a puzzle. small piece of it if, if you're doing it right if you got good vineyards you're you know you're just making sure you're translating it yeah it was so interesting i was talking to justin smith about that 07 huge year obviously for him yeah and by the time the wine comes out you know it's maybe like 2010 or something and uh, that's finally out now and then of course it takes time to get like reviewed and blah blah and then by then he's like oh shit my my program for that wine's different yeah, you know, so it's almost like you write this hit song, and then do you go, what, what were, what was my writing that way? How do I write that hit song again? Do you ever kind of feel either of you that like maybe if there's a wine that's coming out, and it was 
interesting to talk to John Munch about some of these even older wines that, you know, obviously you're probably not making wine that same way, but man, when you look back at that snapshot in retrospect, man, was it pretty. I'd love to recreate that. I think so much of it's about a time and a place, and not just from a vintage, but like, I mean, the analogy of the hit song, like American Pie, fantastic song, only worked then. Hmm. Yeah. You know? So I think, you know, Justin, Justin nailed that. And that wine's so sexy. And he's been so generous with sharing it. Like anytime someone's like, hey, what's that taste like? Here's a bottle. He literally did that one time with me. Oh, I, why don't John, we, like literally, he's like, why don't we open one? I did a, a guest lecture for John Elkins at the Cal Poly sensory class. And Justin gave a bottle for like 22 students at Cal Poly. Like, yeah. you know, you're just like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So much generosity. But, you know, it's like, I look at it like, you can only do it once because it's so vintage specific. And if you're an artist or a craftsman, your game's going to evolve. And, and if you enjoy that, like hopefully the consumer's along for the journey. And, and if I'm trying to hit the same song every year, you know, you might be missing the mark. You end up like train. Uh, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> or maroon five. Yeah. Like I, I'd rather be Dylan. I've yeah. never had a hit song. I've always been on the indie charts, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, people usually people usually buy the whole album, right? Which I feel fortunate about. People either they they like what I do or they don't. I love the way you put that. That's really to take that analogy to like the perfect extreme. That's and you're happy with that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. And then what about you? Press has has press been a darling to you at all, or has the you, score is a big deal to you? Or you're, you're always on either side of it. Yeah. You know, like, and and it's fleeting, right? Mm-hmm. You get a great score, and it's there. It's there for a minute. Uh, the best wines I've ever made score in the eighties. The, wor- the worst wines I've ever made score in the line, high nineties. Yeah. In, in my opinion, yeah. you know, it's it's just I I look at it differently, and and it's so great that we live in a world now. Unfortunately, or you know, fortunately, we're, we're, there isn't a Bob Parker. There right. isn't one person that either makes or breaks you. Mm-hmm. And and with social media and word of mouth and tasting rooms, like you're you're able to build a brand without the score. Find that that following. Yeah, it's about pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know, and just because Amy liked it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. But you're making wine for you, and that's got to feel free. It's, you're both making wine for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for like sure. like uh, Matt Travis told me, he's like. I figured if this wine doesn't sell... You got to drink it. I got to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well make something I like. Hell yeah. Yeah. The other thing about scores is like my, my customer, I don't feel like my, my the people I'm trying to sell wine to, they don't read the wine press, but they want to know what the wine press said about my wine. So if I get a score, it's up to me to promote it. So if I get a bad score, they're never going to see it. I'm not entirely sure anyone reads a wine press. No one does. In fact, someone I was just talking to was doing, um, I think it was uh, talking to Gary. I talked to Gary Eberly on my show in the studio two days ago, and he was talking about something he read or kind of dug in a little bit to who reads the trades. And it's like 90-something percent people trade. in trade. Yeah. So right. there's no, barely anybody's picking up unless they're in the trade. Yeah. I even tried to log into Wine Spectator the other day, and they were like, your subscription has lapsed. And I was like, that lapsed maybe like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And but I you're react. still getting the magazine? No, I, I'm only a digital subscriber. But, um, you know, I think Gary told me, too, one time about wine competitions. He said, nobody reads the wine media, but everybody knows what a gold medal looks like. He said that on my show. Yeah. Americans know what a gold medal looks like and what a gold medal represents. And that's why he says if there's ever a wine that gets a silver or a bronze, you're never going to see it. Yeah. You're never going to see it on the bottle of wine because why would you have 50 medals? Yeah. 
when you could have 19 golds. So, and that's interesting. I mean, he knows what he's talking about there. I mean, he's been around the block. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Fun, funny Gary Everly story. I Please. was uh, 21, and I was working here as an intern, and we were doing a PRWCA press thing uh, on Roan Blends. And the panel is Christian TG, Terry Colton from Adelaide, Gary Everly, and me, because Brian didn't was out of town or couldn't do it. And so Ron asked me to do it. And I like, I've worked my first vintage. That's it. And Gary's sitting next to me and the guy, whoever's emceeing it gives this intro of, you know, Gary Everly planted his first Syrah vines in 1982, blah, 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 blah. And no one knew who I was. I was like last minute sub in for this. So I had to give my first, my own intro. And I was like, well, I'm Anthony Yunt. I'm still at Cal Poly. Uh, Gary Everly planted his first Syrah vines three years before I was born. <laughs> That's my pedigree. Did Gary love that? Oh, he loved it. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's a great story. Did you guys have fun doing this? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This I was, need some wine in my glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some more Viognier. This was uh, so much fun. I want you to check out RancheroSellers.com. RancheroSellers.com. Of course, the tasting is downtown Paso Underground, which is Railroad. It's on. It's between Railroad and Pine. Yeah. Who, who else think, is in there? Well, who else is in there is Rondonet Wines. They're brand new, and they're they're killing it. He makes some beautiful Rhone blends, mostly with Grenache and Mourvedre. Uh, he makes 100% Mourvedre that I'm, that I'm incredibly fond of. It's called Trail Secret. And uh, speaking of gold medals, he's gotten a few. And then we've got uh, Ultima Thule in there and Primitive Wines. Fun. So Cameron cool. and Gary, um, I wish they'd show up. I miss them. They're fun, yeah. But they're both. They they're both too much fun. I haven't fun. seen them in a long time. But um, but we're usually there on Saturdays. And um, if you want to come taste any time but a Saturday, just drop me an email, Amy at RancheroSellers dot com. And are you there? You got somebody there or what? No, I have no one there. It's just me. Wow, that's pretty cool. You get I'll the make rock it star. happen. The indie oh. star. The indie, the indie pop star. The, the indie, indie pop, pop star. star. I love it. And what about for Royal Nunsuch? Uh, so we're about to do our fall release in August. So if you go to royalnunsuchfarm.com, you can find out all about how to get info on it uh, when we send it out. And then uh, Canero, we're currently all sold out of the whites, but uh, we've got a fall release coming up uh, probably after harvest when I have a little breathing room. Yeah, and uh, you have to. can you get on that if you're not part of the wine club? Yeah, that's uh, both, wanna... wines, both wines have an allocation. Profile. Okay. So we do a club for none such. Um, that's just a six pack once a year, um, and then the Canero wines are all sold uh, by allocation or not allocation, but just when I have wine, I send out an email, and when yeah. I don't have wine, I don't send out an email. Uh, yeah. But the old vine white I mentioned earlier, we're going to release that in the fall. Fun. And then we'll have the new vintage of the James Berry Rousson and oh. our Tally Vineyard Chardonnay uh, in the winter. And what are you doing those for a bottle? They're between 35 and 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a Grenache Blanc as well that comes out at about 25. And again, there's some great retail spots in town that have it. Sea Chest in Cambria. Cool. Uh, pours a Grenache Blanc by the glass. Really? Yeah. Nice. Um, so if you feel like waiting in line for an hour. <laughs> there's a way to do it, though. What we, we'll, we'll do... Uh, we'll, Set the 7 o'clock. Yeah, we'll put our name in and then we'll bring a bottle mm-hmm. or bring like a little roadie and do a little cocktail kind of over the bluffs for an hour. For sure. And just chill. And then when the name gets called, and it's fun to sit at the The bar. It's fun to sit at the bar. Those guys, Steve, I I hadn't been there in two years. Steve and Jose are like, hey, welcome back. Yeah, well, you're probably like a celebrity when you go in there, though. So are you. Well, I mean, just like going in there and just like sitting at the bar watching them and the seafood there. I mean, like, it's amazing. Just the best everything. The best everything, Sea Chest. Yeah. It's so worth the wait. So, uh, yeah, ch- support our local restaurants. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, man. They've, they've had the worst of it for sure. 
Yeah, California style, like probably a third of them just kind of poof and go away, which is just terrible. Brutal. Brutal. And um, we've been really lucky in Paso for a lot of the reasons that you noted, you know, earlier in the show. Just, you know, we had a county with that, you know, numbers were, you know, the envy of a lot of counties, if not all the counties around us. Uh, we have this just charm about us that, you know, when nobody's getting on a plane and nobody really wants to go anywhere, you can get in the car, you can go to Paso and, and feel safe with the fam and, you know, rest somewhere and, and just feel good. And pa- it's just so exciting to see what Paso's doing right now. It's- It's a a fun time to be here. Absolutely. So Six Mile Bridge, we got Royal Nunsuch, the Canero Ranchero Cellars, Fancy Boots. Make sure you ask about the best Petite Syrah in Paso right now. This is the hot shit. This is called Fancy Boots, and it's all about um, Ishka, who we interviewed in the last show. Amy, I love you. Love you too, Adam. <laughs> You're so awesome. It's so sweet to see you again and uh, to catch up with you. Thanks for letting me bring Georgie. That's Hey, there's your roast right there. Yeah, because <laughs> that's all I can about to say. If you want me, I, I, I will. I just am so nervous about saying anything mean to you. Roasty, because you've got to be mean. I can be mean right back. But I don't want you to. I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to be able to take that. Damn. My meanest thing about you is when you when okay it, okay it, it, it's not even it's it's probably not even something that you did. It's when the format of your radio station changed from eighties hits to like modern stuff. Oh, my morning show. One zero four five. Your morning show went from like up and Adam in the morning, right? Up and Adam in the morning. Your station that you were on went from like the eighties jams that I was that I was seller working to. Sure, I love to it. Now some different stuff, and and I blame you. Yeah, now we play some some modern things. In addition, we still play the Michael Jackson and the Prince and stuff and the Madonna. But you're right, we've added in like you know Justin Bieber and Chance the Rapper and but Taylor I remember, Swift. I remember being in Pelletier one morning and texting you and like keep the eighties power ballots coming yeah yeah well you listen to my morning show and you text me when you are and i'll play you some ario speedwagon and so i will i will go deep for you well this was such a treat and i mean goodness amy this 2008 canero unbelievable i I was i was stunned by this wine i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be good but i thought it was going to be tired it wasn't even tired one of the best things i've heard about wine is an empty bottle is worth so much more than a full one because who, who you shared it with that you got to consume what you what you drank it with uh, so and to see where the wine takes you. That's I right. always like that about Janelle's corks. They say killed this bottle with. That is and so then true. Have a line, and you can write on the cork who you drank it with. And I love that. That just that encouragement to commemorate. Yeah, yeah. to commemorate. I had my dad got me for uh, Christmas. Because he knows I drink I guess a shit ton of wine. It's like this thing that looks like California, but they have little like indentions where you'd put corks. And literally, her cork is so perfect for that because it'd be like kill this with Amy and Anthony, and you just stick it right in the thing, and you can always like look at it. Yep. Love it. This was so much fun, guys. I hope you guys had half as much fun as I did talking to both of you. I had a great time. Thank you, Adam. Oh, always great to hang with Amy. Oh, I love it. Cheers. 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 Give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Oh, wow. Thanks so much to Anthony Yunt, Amy Butler. Such a fun conversation. Well, next week, looking forward to talking to a couple of globetrotten winemakers, Aaron Jackson of Aaron Wines, as well as Philip Funder, winemaker for Law Estate Wines. This is going to be a great conversation. Looking forward to it. And it's 
coming up next week because we had a little part two dealing with here so we're back next week also curious what you think about doing episodes weekly and the lengths of them i mean we've had a couple episodes that you know hour and 20 minutes is that feeling like it's a little too long what about bi-weekly do you wish maybe the episodes were you know under an hour but weekly i would love your feedback you can dm me on insta at adam on the air let me know what's up and please feel free to share the podcast rate review and subscribe it means so much and i love reading your five-star reviews on the podcast on apple so also i'll take you to one of our cool new spots the stables in paso a great place to stay on your next visit where wine takes you is executive produced by joel peterson and paso wine associate producer jen bravo where wine takes you is recorded edited and produced and hosted by yours truly my name is adam montiel follow me on insta you can get some behind the scenes of what we're about what's going on here while we're uh, taping these episodes and more at adam on the air and next time you are cruising the central coast you can tune me in on your radio my morning show coast 104.5's up and adam in the morning and of course the wine radio the wine stuff the cork dorks on the crush 92.5 till then hold your glass up high with paso wine inside and enjoy where wine takes you cheers and give me that sound goodbye we pass on down till the job is camped out in trees it will simplify good comp give me that sound goodbye we pass on down till the job is camped out in trees it will simplify good comp give me that sound goodbye we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, you will simplify in good company. When that moonshine will get by, we pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, you will simplify in good company.